It's great to be here, and I just want to thank Dr. Ballard for allowing me to come here and speak with y'all. And so you always have to remember, you only have to put up with me once, and then you can tell Dr. Ballard, well, don't ever bring him back, and that's okay. Uh, but I come from uh, Houston, and, and much greetings that I give you, and uh, I got here, and all it's done is rain. And, 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 and that's all it's done in Houston since I left there. And uh, this is a typical Houston winter, what we're experiencing today. If you haven't been to Houston, we're, uh, so I've gotten winter early for Houston. But uh, regardless of that, uh, I've only been in the ministry five years, believe it or not. I was, uh, worked for an international engineering construction company and worked all over the world, traveled a lot, and uh, was married, had uh, four kids. I, I should say I adopted four kids. And uh, I lived through those and still is living through them. And I have about 12 grandchildren. And I'll tell you, you know, they'll drive you nuts too. But I love them all. Don't, uh, and um, my wife, though, she, uh, about 10 years ago, she passed away with breast cancer. And she left me with all these kids and grandkids, you know. So I'm dealing with those as a, as a single grandfather, you might say. Uh, but when she passed away, I decided to go back to school, and I was 60 at that time, and I went back and got a doctorate degree in worship studies. And uh, people would ask me, well, what are you going to do with that? And I said, I don't have a clue. The Lord will provide. And right after I graduated, uh, the church that I had been a part of for years, I had left since I went off to school and since my wife had passed away, uh, called me to come be their interim, and uh, they were in terrible financial shape. It was a pretty large church that ran about 1,200, and the last pastor grew it to uh, 300. So uh, needless to say, they couldn't really pay the bills, and they asked me because I had a, a pretty good business background, and they knew me, and I came there and uh, gave them a bunch of options, and, and, it, and a, really the I told them, I said, the easiest way to get through this is to merge with another church. And so I called up Champion Forest Baptist Church there in Houston. It is a mega church. It runs about 8,000 a Sunday. And uh, they took us under their wing. They asked me to stay on. They told me they'd bring a campus pastor and that, you know, I wouldn't be there permanently. But uh, here it is five years later, and I'm still there in some capacity helping them. So... Um, I tell you that because I'm not a polished preacher, to be honest with you, but I love to share God's Word, and I've been active in, in that church and in churches all my life. Uh, I went off to the University of Texas, and uh, if you know anything, that's a small little college there in Austin, and uh, I lived in Jester Dorm the first year it opened up, and it had two huge towers, and back then, you know, they still separated the men and the women, and, uh, and in those huge towers, they had a bus that came, Greyhound bus, to come pick those up that wanted to go to church. Every Sunday, I was the only one that got on that bus. And, uh, and so I told the bus driver, I said, you don't have to come pick me up. I felt so guilty because here's this Greyhound bus, and they're picking me up. And I tell him, don't, you know, I, I will walk. I will find a way. He says, no, if you're the only one, we're still coming to get you. And, uh, and luckily, through all of that, in going to what was probably the most ungodliest school you could go to in Texas, 
Uh, I met some Christian friends, and we're still friends today. Uh, all these years later, and we, we talk on the phone, actually pretty regularly after so many years out of college. So the, the friends you're making today, I hope you keep them for life and to encourage you. So one of the things that I know we've all experienced in life is we've gone through this COVID season, and I don't know about you, but I am sick of COVID. I'm tired of COVID. I had COVID. I've had my shots. I was in the hospital. You know, at my age, when you get it, they put you in the hospital. And I mean, I needed to go, no doubt about it, but I'm so ready to get over it. And, and it's really been hard on churches all over the United States. It's just been hard on people. And what I've discovered is it has created a lot of anxiety in our society and that's I want to talk just a little bit about that because I think there is God's word gives us a remedy for that and you may not have anxiety and I hope you don't but you're going to come across people that do I do a lot of counseling in my job there at Champion Forest and I'm just amazed at how many people struggle with their marriages and how many college students worry about their finances and praise the Lord that Dr. Ballard has a way that it's, you won't be totally in debt when you leave here and hopefully you will be debt free. And many students that I know, they come out and they're $100,000 in debt and, and, and how are they going to pay for that? And then people struggle just with once they go out and buy these homes everywhere across the United States, home prices are going up. And for a young married uh, family, it's difficult to come up with the down payment and to make those payments. And people worry, will I ever get a home? And, and of course, being in, uh, in uh, having COVID and being in the hospital, many of them have many large medical bills, believe it or not. And we see parents, they struggle with their children. And I, I get a lot of people that talk to me about their kids and the thing they go through with them. And all of this COVID, we see that people that have been in hospital, there's been a lot of mental and physical and emotional ills that have occurred in our society. And I don't mean this to be a downer necessarily message, but what I want to tell you, there is faith. And having faith in Christ can overcome anxiety. You know, we Christians have an antidote for anxiety. And I think it uh, tells us that we need to step back and to rely on God and not really worry about the future because it just doesn't make sense that God, creator of the universe who created you and me, doesn't have a way for us to really release all those anxieties unto him. We are just jars of clay. You know, what does uh, 2 Corinthians tell us in 4, 7, 9? It says, but we have a treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And we need to remember that every day. And when we go on and read, we, have, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed and we are not perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Faith in God is really the cure to having anxiety. And walking through this season of COVID or walking through any season of, of life, you know, many, many people 
and some of you professors out there, if you have parents still living, I have a mother that is still living at 96, and uh, she went through COVID, and it was difficult for her, and, and she is a saint. That woman, she at 95 before all this, or 94 before it all happened, she was teaching a Bible class in the nursing home at her age. And never gave up. I mean, and, and just a great prayer warrior. But her not having even anxiety when she, we couldn't even go see her, she relied on the Lord and His Word daily. So faith in God is that cure. I like to read from you from Philippians 4, and we'll start with verses 4 and 5, and it says... Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. I think the very first thing that we need to realize, which is a remedy for anxiety, is to live by God's grace. You know, we are born-again Christians. At least, I hope everyone in this room is. And if you are, the Holy Spirit has come and indwelled in you. And so we need to remember that, that when the Holy Spirit comes, I like to say that we are then, the, the fruit of the Spirit is placed within us. And if you look at Galatians 5, 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. What more could you ask for in your life than to have peace and to have joy and to have love and patience? That's what we Christians have and what we do and what I do. I mean, even as a minister of the gospel, I sometimes try to do all of that in my own power and don't rely on the Holy Spirit to be controlled and to be led by Him. And that's terrible to admit as a preacher. But I think we all sometimes... Just don't face up to the fact that the Lord is with us every minute of the day. We need to really to remember that when we don't come to the Lord in prayer, I believe that it's not that He doesn't hear our prayers, He doesn't respond to it. And in, and in Psalm 66, 18, it says, I regard inequity in my heart and the Lord will not hear. He's not going to respond to me. And then says, your inequities have been made a separation between you and your God and your sins have been hidden from his face from you so he does not hear. I think it is so important that every day that we get up and that we go to the Lord in prayer and ask him for our daily, really our daily provisions and ask for his protection. But, you know, we don't necessarily just start off. This is not a lesson on prayer. But we start off in really recognizing that this God of the universe loves and cares for you. You know, I certainly believe that when we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what better way to start out the day than in prayer and reading God's Word? It's so important that we are confessed up and cleaned up in our whole lives and to recognize the ongoing presence of the Lord in your life. 
so that it's not only you, but it is contagious to others that you come across and that you speak with. You know, um, it tells us on in Philippians 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I think the best way to replace anxiety is to really just pray and ask the Lord to guide you. It is the biggest remedy for anxiety. We need to also remember that we need to tell God everything. Now, why do we need to know that? He already knows everything about us. I think we need to tell God everything so that we can see His working power in our lives and others can see it too. I think it's important that we just confess and that we tell Him what our needs are, even though He knows it. But it allows Him the opportunity to work through you, not only to bless you, but to bless others that you come in contact with. You know, we can be assured that Hear this, God of the universe hears our prayers when we are in right relationship with Him. You know, I believe Romans 8, 28 is probably one of my life verses is that we know, and y'all heard it many times, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. I think we need to realize that when we are in God's will and we come to Him with a thankful heart, God is going to guide us exactly in the path that He wants to go. I know in my own life, when my wife passed away, I didn't like it. I'll be honest with you. And I told God, I'm not a happy camper. You know? Here, I had a great marriage of 34 years. She retires, and the day she retires, she gets ill. And I spent the rest of the next couple of years being with her and being by her side. But I had to step back and say, Lord, what is it that I can do to make this situation the best it can be for her? And not only just for her, but for those that meet her and know her. And I'll tell you, that going through that in my life, there were women who came and took care of her every day and were there with her every day of the week, which allowed me to go to work some. And I wondered, you know, I said, Lord, I don't deserve this, that these women took time every day. I had a shift in the morning and a shift at night. And, and why they came, I don't know. And they would all leave every day saying, we were more blessed than what we blessed her. Because I know even in all that illness, my wife never gave up and continued to proclaim the riches that she had in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you how that actually got started with this lady that organized it. I came up to her one day, and she, I mean, she had this 
It was just like clockwork. These women came in. Not only did they take care of her, they washed the clothes, cleaned the dishes, did everything. It was like having 24 hours, I mean, five days a week maid service. I couldn't believe it. And I told her, I said, I can never repay you for all that you have done in organizing these women. And here's what she said. She said, you know, George, I'm just repaying you. And I said, what do you mean repaying me? And she said, do you remember, and this was like 30 years ago, and I, could, I started to say, no, I can tell you, I can't remember that far back. When our son was in the hospital, you just came to visit us and prayed over our son. And I hardly knew this couple. And, you know, it's a... As a church member, I just went, prayed for him, and she said, that so impressed me that I've thought all these years, what can I do for you? And she said, it has finally come to fruition. Here's the thing. Your investment that you make in the kingdom of God today, you have no idea how it's going to pay off in years later. Now, you talk about, I'm a business guy. I have a, fin a degree in finance, a master's in finance. And you talk about compound interest. What investment is that to what it is today? It's better than any investment I could have made in Amazon or, or whatever company that you wanted to make in. Because the investment came and the benefits came from God. See, our... What you're doing today, students and adults and, and investing in people's lives, you may not see what happens today, but I can assure you somewhere, someday, that investment is going to pay off. And so I think helping us realize to always have a thankful heart of whatever circumstances you go through. James tells us that. And, and, and I don't necessarily like to go through bad times. I don't want to go through them. I want a good and easy life. I'm selfish in that regard. But I know whatever I go through, God has something that he's going to get out of it that glory, brings glory and honor to him. See, I believe in a God that's in Ephesians 3.20 that says, for now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. That's why it's so important, I believe, that every day that we get before our Lord on our knees or wherever or however and just pray and thank him for his goodness and his grace and his mercy upon our lives. And then the final thing I think we need to realize is just receive the peace of God in our lives. You know, Colossians tells us that this kind of peace is unfathomable, immeasurable, because it comes from God. We cannot measure the wealth that God has for us. And I'm not talking about financial wealth. 
I'm talking about the fruit of the Spirit that resides in you, that how it can abundantly throw through our lives and be contagious to others. You know, it's that inner peace that God gives us that when we are grounded in His promises, that we can receive healing and have our anxieties removed, and we get this unspeakable joy in our lives. And I like to say we have an overwhelming knowledge that fills us in our lives that God uses at the right time in order to bless others and to give glory to Him. You know, when we look at what Christ has done for us through His death on the cross and His resurrection and by sending His Spirit to reside in us, how can we not give Him praise? You know, I think when we look at what, uh, when we look at the peace of God that He gives us, it tells us in Philippians 12, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus. When our hearts and our minds are, are guarded in Him, we have nothing to really worry and to be anxious about. And the Bible tells us that here in, in verse 8, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We need to think upon the things of God. Notice what it says, whatever tr is true. We need to speak truth as Christians all the time. We need to think of whatever is noble, those things that are honorable. What is, um, we need to be respectful in all our dealings that we have with others. It says whatever things are right. See, Proverbs and Psalms are just filled with those things that give us blessings for the righteous. And we need to not only think of what is what to do right, we actually need to do what is right. It says in there, whatever things are pure, we need to have holy lives and not think on impure thoughts. And we need to be whatever is lovely, it tells us. We need to pleasing, to be pleasing and not disagreeable. And whatever is admirable, those things of good report and good, re good reputation. And it says in that anything is excellent. Yes, I think it ought to be moral goodness, mental excellence and virtue that we ought to have. For he is praiseworthy, it tells us. And in Hebrews 13, 15, it says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer up God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. I think it is so important that we constantly acknowledge and praise God. And he tells us in verse 9, whatever we have learned and received and heard and seen in him, practice these things. How do we practice those things? You know, I, I teach at the University of Houston. I've been an adjunct there for 15 years, and I teach project management and project leadership. And I've taught business courses there. 
And I tell my students every year at the very first class, I tell them, if you'll just read the text and think about it, you'll do good on your exam. And what most of you do all the time is that you know you got an exam coming up and you haven't read a couple of chapters and you sit there and you spend an all-nighter reading those chapters and then you can't remember a thing or maybe 10% of it. But I tell them, if you will meditate on the text, and what do I mean by that? And it's the same thing I mean by God's Word, is that you read a little short paragraph and you step back and ask, what is it telling me? What am I learning from that? What does it say to me? And I think it's the same way with God's Word. I tell people as a discipleship pastor, I'm not so interested in you. This year you're going to read the whole Bible through. That's all good and nice, but what I really want you to do is read it and meditate on His Word, spend some time in prayer with it, and ask God on that particular chapter or even a, a paragraph, what is it that I'm learning and what is it that He's telling me? And I tell my students that you read it once, but when you meditate on it, you're reading it twice. And your retention is much, much higher. Well over 60% of retaining it. And it's the same thing with God's Word. When we meditate on it, our retention, and that God can call it when we need those scriptures, when we're sharing the gospel, or just when we're talking to people. So <clears throat> what have we learned? We need to practice that, that we learn through meditation of God's Word. And we listen carefully of what God is telling us through His Word. And we forget that many times that we just read it and we may say it doesn't apply to me. I think every word in God's Word can speak to you and can apply to you. And we need to practice what we have seen. And that is we need to imitate those individuals that are godly and that God has put in your life. And we need to recognize they're not perfect, but God has placed them there for a purpose. And so we need to put into practice those things that are, and let the peace of God fulfill your life, and you should fill your hearts with truth and honor and righteousness and purity and love and character and excellence and praise to our Savior. Put those in practice. And when you do, your life will be in sync with what God's will is for you. So I asked you the question is, students and everyone in this room, what are you filling your life with? And are you committed to, to practice those things that you've done? And see, I thank God that here at Northeastern Baptist College, that you are putting to practice the things that you learn through your practicums and, and serving churches in the Northeast area. I want to leave you with this scripture, and that is, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And that comes from Psalms 19, 14. Thank you.